Hello, Internet. This is ESE Insight Calling. I'm Ewan Spence. And I'm Michael Keeley. And now it's a chat over Eurosong. Yes, it is another chat over coffee, although I guess it's probably crack over coffee as well. Joining us, Michael Keeley from RTE. Hold on. There we go. We can have a proper end run into the theme tune. Michael, welcome to the podcast again. Thanks very much, Ewan. How are you? <laughs> are you well? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, and to quote your commentator, you and I have been doing this since God were a boy. Some might say too long, Ewan, but um, about me doing it, that is, not you. But, oh, I don't um, know. I'm, I'm getting into the second decade now, so it's just like, yep, still here. I'm heading that way myself. Head of delegation for Ireland, dealing with all the Eurovision stuff. Where did it all start? Where did it all start for me or where did the Eurovision stuff all start? Oh, it's a delightfully <laughs> open question, isn't it? It Well, it all started for me in uh, Belgrade in 2008 with uh, Dustin, as you'll remember. Um, I was a producer here working in the entertainment department and uh, Julian Vignoles, who was my predecessor as head of delegation, was on the... EBU reference group at the time and there was a rule in place back in those days which said that if you were on the reference group you couldn't be a head of delegation as well so I got appointed as the head of delegation to um, look after uh, the Eurosong competition here which was in Limerick at the time and then subsequently to bring the winner who happened to be Dustin the Turkey to uh, Belgrade to present him to Europe as Ireland's entry for Eurovision that year. So that's kind of where it began for me and it was a baptism of fire as uh, as starts in Eurovision go. It was an unusual one, let's just say. What were you doing right before that then? Well, I I, I was doing uh, a number of different things. I was uh, the... the the first thing I did when I came to television here, I was working in Current Affairs in a, a show called Primetime, which is still going. Um, on That's a t- twice-weekly Current Affairs show. Uh, I was working on that when I first started as a producer, director. Then I uh, moved to the entertainment department to work on The Late Late Show with um, Pat Kenny, who was Ryan Tuberty's predecessor and Gay Burns successor. So uh, Pat was... Um, uh, doing the Late Late Show for about 10 years, I think so, about 2002 or 2003, I think I was brought in to work on that for a season. And then after that, there was this up-and-coming uh, chap from radio called Ryan, who uh, was starting a television career. So I went to work with him on a show called Tuberty Tonight, which was a Saturday night chat show, which was sort of, you know, we were in friendly competition with The Late Late Show and um, so I've been kind of stuck in the entertainment department since and I've done pretty much everything within the department there is to do I've been executive producer in in charge of things like you know the telethon we did a telethon one year Um, obviously I do the Eurovision I do the St. Patrick's Day Parade I look after things like New Year's Eve I do award shows Um, I was even recently asked to direct a uh, religious service on a Sunday morning because no one else was around and they must have they must have run out of options because they came and asked me would I direct it 
Oh, there, there's Happily. a lot going on. There's a lot going on, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, people think I just do Eurovision uh, from one end of the year to the to the end. I would love to, but I don't. No, I've I've got like about five or six different things on the go at any one time. One of the things I find interesting there is the Late Late Show because it is an Irish institution for those people who who aren't in the country. I mean, what was the classic keyboard quote? If it doesn't, ha- if it does, if it happens, if it happens first, it happens on the Late Late Show. Something, that sounds like something he might have said. It, it yeah, does, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. It is a huge program. It's a huge cornerstone of, of culture over there. It, it, it is still, funnily enough, we're, we're heading towards the 60th anniversary of the show in uh, June. So it's the longest running, con- continuously running chat show in the world. Talk show, longer than any American talk show um, and longer than any talk show in the UK and uh, anywhere else for that matter. So it, it's uh, its place in Irish cultural history cannot be underestimated because it was there from the dark days of the, you know, 60s, 70s and 80s in Ireland through the 90s when Ireland sort of began to open up and society here began to really change. Um through all our Eurovision wins, obviously in the in the early nineties as well, and then on into the into the into the twenty first century. So it it the fact that it's still going, it's still two hours of live television every Friday night, and it still gets an audience share of you know nearly half of the people watching television would watch the Late Late Show on a Friday night. I t- to take the Eurovision community view just for a second. A lot of them are like, well, why don't you just have a, a standalone national final? Why does it have to be put into the Late Late Show? Uh, and it feels like because well, the Late Late Show is RTE Ireland, it's how you reach the most people for your selection. Well, I mean, I, and I, I would. There's nothing more I would love to do than do a standalone um, Eurosong like we did with Dustin the Turkey back in 2008. Um, the 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 truth really is down to mundane issues like finance you know to 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 go out of this building and this organization that i'm sitting in at the moment and to um take over a three arena or to take over uh, a theater somewhere in dublin or even somewhere else in the country involves a huge expenditure you know so we have to pay for outside broadcast trucks we have to pay for lighting rigs to be brought in we have to pay for um all of those ancillary things that um we have here in RTE already in our studios, so the the the, the truth is, it's it will be seen as a kind of an extravagance for a one-off, and um, priorities here are different as well at the moment. I mean, we have other programs that people feel that, you know the money should be spent on, and um, that's all due to. I mean, I know I say it, and people you know, uh, laugh at me and sneer at me and jeer at me in the streets for saying it. But we are an underfunded broadcaster. If, you know, our license fee hasn't changed in in 15 years. Uh, I know they're talking about, obviously, um, dismantling the license fee in, in the UK. But our license fee is, is cheaper than the one in the UK. And, um, you know, and it hasn't changed for a considerable amount of time. So we don't, so our, in reality, our net 
pot of money for spending on programmes is reducing every year because inflation eats away at it and commercial revenue um, is variable. It can be up and down, you know, depending on, on the year. And some years it can be really bad and some years it can be slightly better. But in all of that mix and all of those competing priorities for a limited set of funds, doing a standalone Eurovision show and spending a lot of money on it will be seen as a bit of an ex- a bit of an excessive expenditure when we have facilities here where we can do it at a cost-effective rate. Put it that way. I mean, I'm going to stay very briefly on the budget issue because Saturday night television is typically where the most money is spent, and it is the most expensive thing. Is is Eurovision cheaper than a normal Saturday night production, say like Dancing with the Stars? Is, or is it a good saving year on year? Where does it sort of fit into the scale of things? Do you mean the Eurovision Song Contest? Yeah, or the, the whole thing. The whole, Euros- yeah. the, the whole thing. Well, if, you know, we, we're, we're always keen to talk about like cost per hour you know yeah. that's the sort of Good the metric by which we yeah. the metric by which we measure things because um it's it's easier to compare stuff on a cost per hour basis um eurovision for the amount we spend on eurovision we get seven hours of live television for you know less than fifty thousand euro an hour good bit less probably more closer to forty thousand euro an hour that is about a third of the price that you would spend on uh, an hour of television here. So, it so is, it's, in terms of it, budgeting, Eurovision is, it, is really it, useful. It, it would be seen as being very, very cost-effective programming, put it that way. But um, is there a desire to ramp that cost per hour from 40 grand up to 120 grand an hour? No. Legend-wise, how close did RTE go to go bankrupt in the 90s? Or is that all down to that Father Ted episode? Uh, oh, you mean when it was... I, see, I, I don't really know, Yun, because it was kind of uh, before my time. I, I, was, I was a radio producer for the latter half of the 90s, so I didn't really um, have much involvement. In fact, I had no involvement in Eurovision. I was, I was making radio programmes at the time. So I, I was sort of insulated from the, the, um, the crisis if you want to put it that way. But I, 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 I can imagine that the thoughts of winning it for a fourth time would have put the fear of God into executives here, you know? Like, to do it once is expensive. To do it twice and three times, you know, it's... And then to do it in Mill Street as well, of course, you know, to kind of take the whole operation out of, out of Dublin and bring it down to a, 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 a small rural community. Like, you know, that was, that was a, huge, a huge effort at the time, you know, and a huge cost as well. Thus, the stories and legends are made. Okay, let, let, let's bring it. Let's bring it forward in twenty-five years. Last couple of years, you've been running internal selections at RTE. Before that, you've been running national selections all the way through, and we're back to a national selection this year. Why? Why was it the right decision to go for an internal selection those years ago? Um, well, because we all we always look at different ways of doing it, right? That's one of the things. Um, at the time, we had had been getting kind of diminishing returns from the national selection at that stage. Ryan Dolan qualified, as you'll remember, in, in 2013. Well, we had the two Jedward years. Then we had Ryan Dolan qualified for the final, but came last in, in the final in 2013. Then we didn't qualify in 2014. We didn't qualify in 2015. So people at the time felt it was 
it was time for a change. That coincided with um, uh, Nicky Byrne working in the station here uh, at the time. So uh, after various conversations, um, you know, we thought, look, it might be worth the shot giving uh, a member of one of the biggest boy bands in the world uh, a go at it. And uh, that was so, and we did, as you remember, and uh, that that um, that didn't really work out for us, I'm afraid. But um, but sure, it was worth a go. But then we thought, look, you know, it's it's other countries have used the internal selection method quite successfully, and um, and we thought, look, well, let's 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 keep with it for a year or two and see how it goes. You know, I mean, um, you know, and and one of the things, I suppose. When um, when you don't have a, a good run of luck in Eurovision, it you you can find the caliber of I suppose people who want to get involved um, diminishes a little bit, you know. So um, it was it was quite an attractive proposition for us to have somebody who was used to massive arenas, who was used to performing in big um, in front of big crowds, that they were willing to come and give it a shot for Ireland, you know, and um, so. You know, fair play to him. He did, and then we just decided to keep that keep that uh, particular idea going for the next few years to see where we got. And uh, you know, and 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 it back in was it twenty eighteen when we had um, Ryan in Lisbon. It you know we 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 got to the final again. So anyway, we 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 decided this year that the time was right to go back to the Eurosong and to give the public uh, a little more say in what we do. And I think the fans were getting a little, I mean, I know the fans are easily, uh, you know, uh, rankled sometimes, but um, they were getting a little tired, I suppose, of us just arriving along and saying, here's the song, here's the artist, you better like them. But, you know, fan community aside, because they're vocal, but they're quite small, was there any sort of reaction or feedback from the general public in Ireland? Just the the average RTE viewer to all the internal selections? Not not really, to be perfectly honest, because we we were still we still held a, a, an open competition for songs. You know, I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of songwriters, I suppose, in this country that feel like they have a vested interest in the Eurovision, and that's fair enough. And um, so we weren't closing the door on songwriters. So song, people could still send us songs. We were just picking the artist. Um, so that was, that was where the internal selection, you know, really, um, you know, really kind of went. You know, we weren't entirely, as I said, closing the door on the artistic community here. But, um, but the public, generally speaking, I mean, I, I don't think unlike us and unlike other people, the general public don't think of Eurovision from one end of the year to the next until they actually see the, the Eurovision final popping up on their TV in, in, you know, on a Saturday in May. But they don't give it a second thought, most of them. In fact, I can nearly say all of them don't give it a second thought. It's only, it's only people like us and the hardcore fans that kind of keep the, keep the thing alive in, in between. So what sort of reaction are you expecting from the public when Eurosong happens at the end of this week? 
Well, first of all, it's going to be on the Late Late Show. It's going to be live, so we, we've got a we've got a guaranteed audience there. And when you when you do special programs on the Late Late Show, they tend to get a bounce in terms of audience anyway. So, for instance, one of not one of the biggest show. You're going to mention the toys now, aren't you? In exactly, I'm going to mention the toy show, but that but that is the biggest show by far in Ireland on any given year it gets nearly 2 million people watching it out of a population of 5 you know it gets something like a 75% share of the audience it's enormous you know so it's the Late Late Show has a has a very good track record of attracting people to it when they do big specials I think we'll attract an audience to the Late Late Show that possibly don't watch it regularly but will tune in for a special because also there's a kind of a competitive element competitive element to it and it's for Ireland. People are, are um, voting for somebody to go and represent us. How important is it to the artists to be on the Late Late Show? Because yet one of them's going to go forward to Eurovision, but for the others, this is potentially the biggest platform they're going to have all year. Yeah, and, and the, the Late Late Show is, uh, we mentioned it's been going for 60 years, has traditionally been the forum where... You know, issues are discussed. Anything significant that happens in the country is analysed and parsed in the Late Late Show. Or if people do well, they are, you know, in the Olympics or on an international stage, whatever, they're welcomed home and the first place they usually appear is the Late Late Show. It's like your granny's parlour. You come in and you're you're at home and you're talking to your family, but you're talking to the nation. That's the sort of effect the Late Late Show has. And for an artist to be on the Late Late Show, I mean, people don't feel they've arrived until they've been on the Late Late Show. That's where you 2 started their television career. That's where, you know, Tin Lizzy started their television career. That's where all of these great Irish bands started was on the Late Late Show. That was one of Gay Burns famous sayings. It started on the Late Late Show. And that's that was it. That's, that's exactly the one I was trying to think of earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Started on the Late Late Show. And um that's very, very Im- Im- important. You can't underestimate the psychological uh, effect that has on anybody who's grown up in Ireland. You know, to be on the Late Late Show is you've arrived effectively. So you think they prefer that than if you could somehow do a mythical national final for the same cost? Well, um, well, that, now now you're into a hypothetical situation whereby you, you're, you've got mag- you've got magic money, which will allow you to do the same thing in an arena that you could do here. What do you think the artists would prefer, though? That's that's what I'm getting at. I, to be honest, I don't know. It depends on it depends on on the it depends on the artist, I suppose. You know, but uh, I do know that the the draw of the Late Late Show is such I know I've heard people say it before that you know that people can go off and they can appear on stages in front of hundreds of thousands of people and they come back to Ireland and they're more nervous appearing on the Late Late Show because they know all of Ireland is watching it might only be five or six hundred thousand people but they know you know that's everybody they have ever known growing up will see them on the Late Late Show so turning to this year, we, we've got a wonderful cast here. We've got a wide range of music. We've got returning artists. We've got returning backing singers, as it, as it, as it were. Although Brendan didn't go through the Late Late Show. He was one of your internal selections, wasn't he? Brendan is back, yeah. And I remember, funnily enough, at the time, I thought, you know, Brendan, such a good performer, such a good uh, singer and a thoroughly decent bloke. I thought, there, there's a guy, you know, who if he wants it, 
deserves a second chance at it at some point. And here we are. Did, did he five years later, you or did you give him the chance first? What's the sort of path there? Let's just talk about Brendan for a second. Are you talking about back in 2017 no, now? now or, oh, oh, now? No, he entered in when we had the open competition back in um, in September. His song came through the uh, the entry process like anybody else. And, and when you when you saw Brendan's song come through, is it like, do you then have to take a step back and choosing it going, well, I've already worked with Brendan, I know what we've got there. And how do you put the distance between that song or any of the song songs or people that you might have connections with because you've been around the Irish music industry, you'll know a lot of people. How does the selection process go for this year? Well, I mean, you'll be, uh, I mean, you'll be pleased to hear that I don't actually solely sit down on my own and listen to 330 songs and decide who's going to go on a shortlist. Um, because I, I, I like that, you know, obviously, A, I wouldn't be able for that kind of pressure and B you know we need we need a, a variety of people listening to the music that we get because you're quite right I've been around uh, you know a, a considerable amount of time and I know a lot of people and I'm, I am conscious that there are those sort of inbuilt biases might be might be there so um, so I managed to persuade about 12 people to listen to all 330 songs and compile their own shortlist of 30 uh, of their top songs from that from that uh, initial batch of huge amount of songs that came in so so when I put all of those people's choices together remarkably the a lot of the good songs are common to all of those people you know that's the one thing that good music will do it, it it unites people in in um generally speaking i mean you know in 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 knowing what's good and what's bad separating what's good from what's bad so out of those um initial uh, uh listening sessions involving those people uh we compiled a shorter list of about 40 songs 35 to 40 songs which i then sent out to I think it was it was over twenty five people anyway, so twenty five different people who would be, I'm not going to name them, but there were people who would have been say or who are, um, you know, radio DJs. They work in the music business. They are fans. I've involved a lot of fans this year. A lot of fans approached me and and wanted the opportunity to help select the song. So I uh, I absolutely involved them. Um, so uh, so then you know so those twenty five people came back. I said, come back with your top ten. So they all came back with their top ten, and and once again, you know, it was pretty obvious which where the where the quality was in across all of those 25 people because they all pretty much mentioned a lot of the same songs so it was very easy to compile a kind of a top 10 you know of of course some people pick songs that no one else picked you know but they didn't get enough ticks to make the top 10 so we we got a top 10 and then we uh we I got a final panel together and that final panel then selected the the final six so it was kind of a, like, a, a, you know, a lot of, I'm glad you asked because a lot of people think I actually sit down and listen to them and go, I mean, It's right. only 17 hours. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's all, yeah. And, and I just go, yeah, I know Brendan, tick, let's get him in. Uh, oh, yeah, I know Janet, let's get her in. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I, I know Nikki, let's get him in. I know, you know, 
that's not the way it works. You know, a lot, a lot of people, I'm sure, have um, uh, well-developed conspiracy theories on all of this, but I'm sorry to deflate them or to burst their bubble in any way, but unfortunately, the, um, the process is, is transparent and, and as fair as it can be. And now, of course, it goes to the, the biggest panel you can find in Ireland, Ireland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, it's going. It's going to uh, a, a national jury, an international jury, and the public. And the reason why I thought I would uh, get an international jury involved this year is, I thought if we're going to come back. T- to a national song contest, let's not just come back and do the same thing. Like, I mean, we we famously used to. Uh, sorry, in, in the in the in the way back when in the dim distant past we only had juries and the public didn't get a say then we had dust in the turkey and we only gave the public a say and that's what happened so and then we had kind of half and half so i thought if we're going to come back let's do it but let's involve you know um people from outside of uh, ireland who know about music and know about pop music and know what what's uh, our, our you know eurovision music and know what it takes to to put on a good uh, a good stage a good act in Eurovision and what what it takes to to do well there so um so that's what I've done I've got an assembled an international jury and uh, and a national jury and we're going to give the public of course a, a say as well all of that is happening uh, this Friday as you listen uh, to this podcast late late show February the 4th what's the start time on that Michael 9:35 so what do you do on Friday night during the Late Late Show? Are you just like hiding in the wings? Are you doing an organising? Are you just, I'm going to go home and just wait for a phone call? Uh, I certainly won't be allowed to go home and wait for a phone call. That's the last thing that um, that they would let me do here. Uh, no, I've been, I've been liaising with the Late Late Show closely um, in terms of uh, just... Uh, organizing and helping to organize the acts we had to we had to bring them all in obviously we're still there is still obviously a, a pandemic um around so we we brought them all in this week on monday to shoot a backup recording in one of our studios just in case one of them couldn't perform uh for whatever reason on uh the fourth so that was on monday on tuesday we shot postcards with them here and um uh, but then I'm I'm kind of helping uh, collect all of their, like they're they're making tweaks to their backing tracks. They're um, coming up with their stage plans. They're they're talking to us about you know um, props and dancers and hair and makeup and all that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm kind of their their um, their touchstone uh, for all of that stuff. You know, so I I basically try and help them. Uh, point them in the right direction when they when they get in touch with me. So on the night itself, I will be obviously I'll be like uh, you know like an expectant father, uh, w- uh, pacing the corridors nervously um, and uh, you know w- wishing them all the best and all that kind of stuff. But I'll also be um, keeping my uh, eye across the the voting, um, the phone voting, and all that kind of stuff. We're, we're going to have obviously uh, we'll have a scrutineered by an independent observer, which we always do from PricewaterhouseCoopers or one of those big companies. So, uh, so I'll be making sure that the, when the vote comes in, that it actually gets into the hands of the people who need it. That kind of thing. Yeah, there we are. Right, Michael, thanks very much for your time. Not at all, Ewan. Great to talk to you. Uh, those of you who are wanting to watch the Late Late Show special, it will be unlocked through your website, rte.ie. 
I'm pretty sure you can see it worldwide on the RTE player on rte.ie. Right then, and hopefully see you in Turin, bubbles and everything else notwithstanding. It's been great talking to you, and but uh, do you know, I'd love to hear some guitars to close the show. This Eurovision chat over coffee was with Ewan Spence and Michael Keeley. Find out more at www.escinsight.com and www.rte.ie.